This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 38 of Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean and with me in the virtual studio tonight is Anthony. Anthony, how you been buddy? Oh, 38 special. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, last episode was uh, 37 and I didn't even think of the the line from Clerks to to open with in a row. Oh, (laughs) But but Rick thought of it, so <laughs> so um, it's been a few weeks since uh, we did our last episode, and it's really been a long time since you've been on the show. But um, we've had a lot. I've had a lot going on behind the scenes lately. Mainly, I've been really busy the last few weeks, and I've been kind of sick for the last two weeks. So you know, three weeks since the last episode is about the best that I could do. <laughs> but uh, we do have plans, just to let the listeners know, we have plans to come out with about probably four more episodes between now and the end of the year. We're going to have Joe Crow back. Uh, he was on our last episode, and we're going to talk about all the new stuff that's on uh, TV this fall, all the new shows and all the shows that are coming back. And and then we're probably going to have another episode uh in the next month or so where we play sci fighters again. And, uh, of course we're going to have our Christmas extravaganza and big year ender in the, in December and all that kind of stuff. So, but this episode is our Halloween show and I'm a, I'm a big horror fan, a movie, uh, a fan of all kinds of horror movies and, and, uh, all the genres that can be, you know, put in that basket at like, uh, psychological thrillers and stuff like that. So, uh, last year I had an episode with Rick and John where we talked about horror movies that we love. So this year I've, I've got, uh, Anthony here and we're going to talk about some more movies. And I actually went back and I listened to last year's episode so that we could make sure we didn't repeat any of the movies that we already talked about. So, uh, so listeners feel free to go back and listen to that one. If you want to hear some more horror picks, uh, on top of what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we talk about, uh, Halloween stuff, I wanted to do a quick update on something that I talked about on a previous episode. So, Anthony, did you? I'm sure you've seen uh, the old 60s version of Batman that came on with Adam West and Burt Ward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, something really funny. I looked up Burt Ward's audition tape. Yeah. 
and that is in and of itself is hilarious uh it is like do a somersault and then like the corny like judo chop that he does like the austin powers like sort of thing and then he'll do like a judo throw and then it was like all right well thank you very much son yeah burt ward got the crap he got the crap banged out of him all the time when he was making that show because when they would do stunts they would swap out adam west for a stunt double but Burt Ward would just be left, <laughs> and he would have to do his own stunt. So he he broke bones, he got uh, scrapes and bruises and all kinds of stuff doing that show. But um, a couple of months back, I talked about an animated Batman movie that was coming out called Return of the Cape Crusaders, and it's out now, and I've seen it, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit before, <laughs> before we did the Halloween stuff. But this is an animated reunion of the old campy live action series, like I said, that had uh, Adam West as Batman and Burt Ward as Robin. I know I don't have to explain this series to the audience, but in a nutshell, it was a very lighthearted take on the Batman lore, and uh, it was meant to appeal to the adventure that the kids wanted and be very comical for adults with the exaggerated plots and ridiculous storylines and that kind of thing. But this movie is a weird kind of mashup of... Uh, what we have now with the, all the Batman animated movies and the Justice League movies that come out and uh, and the old TV series. You know, if a kid were to sit down and watch this and they had never seen that old, uh, that old TV show, this would seem really weird to them because all of a sudden it's like a comedy, <laughs> you know. But I think that the uh, the primary audience for this movie is guys in their 30s and their 40s and and that watched the old show when they were kids, and this is going to bring back some nostalgia. But that being said, uh, if that is its demographic, then this was too long. You know, it was an hour and 20 minutes long. I think it should have been about 45 minutes long. But ha- have you heard anything about this movie at all? Uh, I saw a trailer for it somewhere online, but I have not seen anything else about it. I kind of kind of behind on my animated batman films that come out i know they had like that year one and they had a couple other ones that kind of came out and uh, i know there was a lot of stuff online about that killing joke or whatever it was called but yeah you yeah, see this, really this much this doesn't this isn't anything like that i mean it looks kind of like that just because it's animated and some of the some of the scenes kind of have that same type of animation uh some of the characters look like they came from one of those movies, some of the buildings and well, things, but the tone is totally different the, though, right? It's just like from the TV show. I mean, they've got, uh, the old Batmobile that they're driving around in and, uh, they've gave, they've got the old theme song. The, the, the it's full of corny jokes and one liners and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's got that whole feel, uh, for instance, um, the way that Batman and Robin used to solve the riddles that the Riddler would leave, would leave behind in this, uh, a, a basic riddle was, what do poor people have, rich people don't, and if you eat it, you'll die. The answer is nothing. So, from there, they say that another way to say nothing is goose egg. And Farmer John just delivered a batch of his prize-winning goose eggs to the local market on Tuesday. And what else happened on Tuesday? A new laser was unveiled at the nuclear power plant. So obviously the villains are at the nuclear power plant and they're going to steal it. <laughs> you know. <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me laugh. I just thought that it was a little too long because uh, 
they kind of did two different plots. You know, the first plot kind of ended about halfway, and then they went into another one. But they're already talking about doing a sequel with uh, William Shatner playing Two Face, which is kind of strange because Two Face was never on that original that original show. But you know, they had they got Adam West back to play Batman, and they had Burt Ward uh, did the voice of Robin. Julie Newmar was Catwoman, and um, of course the Joker and the Riddler and the Penguin are all there, but they're voiced by different people because all those actors passed away a long time ago. But uh, there's also, I don't know if you know who um, um, Thomas Lennon is. He uh, oh the the um, Reno nine one one, and he does a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he's I, I remember him from the state in Reno nine one one. He was also he's a, he's on the Odd Couple right now, so he's in that as uh, Chief O'Hara. Stephen Weber is there playing Alfred. So, if you like the old TV show, you'll probably you'll probably like this. Just by the end of it, you'll probably wish that it was about half as long. But <laughs> hmm. that's not the. This isn't the first Batman project that Thomas Lennon was involved in. If I'm not mistaken, I it was either the second or third Nolan Christopher Nolan Batman where he played the Doctor. Uh, where he was just like, literally his scene was maybe 30 seconds if he was lucky, but Christian Bale, Batman was like at the doctors or something. And he had like an x-ray or something like that. And it was just checking them out. I pretty sure it was the third one. It could, but, it, yeah. It that's could. pretty funny. He's involved in another Batman project. Yeah, it could be. He, he, he popped up in a lot of stuff in small roles for a while there between, uh, Reno nine one one and and then what he's doing now, which is um, the Odd Couple, which is I think in its second season now. So it's actually I've and I've seen it a couple of times. It's pretty funny, but I like I said I remember him from the state back in the nineties. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, on uh, MTV. I used to love that show, and I went back and they had it on Netflix for a while, and I went back and watched it, and it's so stupid. <laughs> but yeah. but it was uh but when I was a teenager, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But um, well, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure you can stream that on Amazon Prime. It may still be on Netflix. I'm not sure. I know I saw it on Netflix at one time. I watched a couple okay. of episodes, uh, and it's probably all over YouTube. Probably the individual skits oh, yeah, are probably sure. on YouTube. But we're going to dig into our main topic, which is of course horror movies. And uh, the way that I did my list, um. I did this last year as well. I, I kind of broke it up into different subgenres. So I've got a zombie movie, I've got a monster movie, I've got a ghost movie, you know that kind of thing. But uh, these are going to be our top, or some of our top horror movies. Of course, like I said, I'm a Favorites, I'm I'm, I'm a horror fan, so there's there's tons and tons of horror movies that I love. But um, why don't you go ahead and 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 start and give us your first pick. Okay, well, I wanted to also kind of be a little diverse, but my list might look a little zombie-heavy. I'm a big zombie guy. My list may be a little zombie-heavy, but I did sprinkle in some other stuff in here. Um, You could call one a psychological thriller that might come up later, but I have a sequel on my list. Um, And the thing with horror movies is especially with lower budget ones. The first one is kind of like that cabin in the woods movie where, you know, it's tight budget, you know, maybe 
inexperienced actors or lesser known actors. Um, you know, you can really kind of tell in some of the productions where they're having to put their money depending on the type of film it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the movie dead snow. Um, so my pick is dead snow Two. And the first Dead Snow movie, which you kind of really don't need to see for the sequel because they kind of, they do that thing that they do on TV where they have like the few minute kind of recap in the beginning where they kind of recap the entire first movie in yeah. about two minutes, Yeah, which is kind of funny. So I believe this is a Norwegian film and the first one is not in English, it's subtitled. I was streaming on Netflix for a while. I do not believe it is anymore. I can check. But so the story of the first one is basically up in Norway, there's this cabin in this valley. And, you know, during World War Two, there were a fight with the Nazis and the uh, the Norway army. And basically there's a whole bunch of like, you know, zombies that are buried from an avalanche up in the mountains of norway mm -hmm. and this cabin has some like nazi gold in it so these these nazi zombies are kind of like leprechauns where it's like if you have their gold they will do anything and just come after you for the gold which was kind of a nice twist because you know these zombies they were not completely, you know, pardon the bad pun, brain dead. Mm -hmm. Like, they did have some intelligence to them, which I kind of forgive. You know, like, you know, I'm not that much of a zombie purist where it's like, you know, I get all snobbish about if the zombie kind of does something the, that even remotely resembles, like, intelligence. The slow-moving versus fast-moving zombies and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Well, that too. And, you know, there is a place for the fast-moving zombies, uh, when I saw 28 Days Later in the theaters, it blew me away, and I was actually, like, generally scared during that movie, and it actually got me, where, whereas, you know, the slow zombies, it's kind of like, it's a little bit more accessible, you kind of get what I'm saying, oh, yeah, like, yeah. it's a little bit more of an easy watch, and that's why I think Walking Dead is so popular, because it kind of gives people that time to think about it and kind of say like, okay, well, if I was, you know, Rick or Michonne or to name some characters from the walking dead, like here's what I would do or blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, I know people that watch the walking dead, but will not watch 28 days or 28 weeks later, just because it's a different kind of, like, they're generally, like, scared, and they don't want to watch that. Yeah, there's there's different... I mean, I don't want to get too far off from, from your the film you were talking about, but there's different... Oh, we'll bring it back. There's different types of, 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 of zombies in film, and I think we've talked... Uh, we've probably talked about this before, but you've got the slow, shambling zombies that are, like, from the Romero films, and then you've got the fast-moving zombies that are from, like, 28 Days Later, but those... Technically, th those are zombies, but those people are actually still alive. They have a disease, you know. They're, yeah, they're it's making them. Yeah, it's making them crazy. Um, and then you've got uh, stuff like there's a Stephen King book that actually got to, just just came out as a movie that I haven't seen yet. Uh, Cell that's got. Uh, yeah, I read the book. Yeah, where they so. the like some kind of pulse from the cell phone towers turns everybody into these crazy zombie-like creatures but they're technically they're still alive they've just gone insane 
you know, yeah. but it's but it's still and like you know, of course our main character like did not own a cell phone. Yeah, and yeah. When I was reading that in like 2006, I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be like a successful writer or something, and he doesn't have a uh, cell phone. I, I, it was um a graphic artist yeah. so like he's drawing like you know comics and things like that and the guy doesn't have a cell phone it's like nobody can do business without a cell phone anymore especially working yeah. for yourself like that you know yeah freelance artist no cell phone <laughs> All right. so to tie it back so the first dead snow movie it is literally you know cabin in the woods lower budget uh, you can definitely tell where these horror movies kind of put their budget in the makeup and effects department, which is good because I really, truly did enjoy the first one. And, you know, know this going in if you haven't see it, seen it. It's a little bit of a horror comedy, which I don't mind. I don't really like being duped when, you know, I put in a horror movie or I start to stream something thinking it's just a kind of hardline horror and then there's some jokes in it like, I kind of would like to know that it's a comedy or at least figure it out early on and then kind of let my brain accept and process that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the second one, though, because of the first one's success, they did the second one in English, I think, because it was pretty big over here. And so they had much bigger sets much bigger production they really did get the budget they deserved and they made a fantastic zombie movie so basically you know it's still set in norway and there is a situation where there is some nazi gold and i'm not going to give everything away but you know there's nazi zombies and because of what the norway people did to these germans during world war ii these Nazi zombies are kind of getting revenge, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of terrorizing the town and people. And, you know, the way they do some of the kills and the effects and everything, it's kind of, it's over the top. And it's so funny at times. But the other times it's sort of, you know, like if some guy just kind of takes a, an axe to the face or something, it's not played for laughs. Whereas sometimes they'll do a kill and it will be played for laughs. Yeah. So they did a very good job at kind of juggling and balancing the comedy and the horror and not making it just, you know, too much like one or too much like the other, which a lot of these movies, they kind of, you know, the, the scales kind of tip a little more heavily to one side than the other. But I thoroughly enjoyed Dead Snow 2. You do not need to see the first one. They recap everything. But I don't believe it's streaming, but... Uh, I've actually watched it twice in not that short of a time span, uh, just because I thought it was that good. Okay, and entertaining. I've seen. I, I think so, I've seen the trailer for the first one, but I didn't. I didn't realize that they had made a second one. So I'm making. Yeah. I'm making a list. I've got a. Um, I've got a weekend job now as a security guard uh, for a cement plant, and it, that's a movie, right? There. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically. Uh, a 12 hour shift on Saturday and a 12 hour shift on Sunday. And it's just me by myself sitting in a guard shack doing almost nothing all day, which is great because I can bring my laptop and I can catch up on movies. So I'm making a list of the movies that you talk about and I'm probably going to watch them over the next uh, few weeks sitting in that. Uh, uh, that's pretty sweet. Sitting in that shack. Yeah. I, I, we could do a podcast about previous jobs we've had in the past 
Uh, I've never worked at Blockbuster, but I did have a job in security, but I was kind of up and moving around a lot. But there was some times where there was a little bit of downtime. So I would kind of, you know, either play around on Facebook or YouTube or I wouldn't like, you know, watch a movie or anything like that. But I would probably be on IMDb just kind of reading around about things and whatnot. Oh well, I mean the guys, the guy that works during the guys that work during the week, they have a lot to do. But the weekend guy, all he had, all I have to do is when a truck comes in, I have to write down the truck number and the time, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it might be three or four hours between between trucks, you know. So they told me, you know, do do whatever you want to do, just don't fall asleep and don't leave the guard shack. So I was like, okay, mm, that's fine, gravy, so, yeah. Yeah, for a weekend job, then you know it's great because I, I work enough during the week without having to worry about you know working my tail off during on the weekends too. But um, I know you had said that a lot of your picks were going to be zombie movies, so I'm going to do my. Well, I have some others. Yeah, well, I, mean, uh, I was going to kind of play off yours a little bit. Well, I've got a zombie movie too, and I thought I'd go ahead and do it first on, on my list. So um, my first film on my list is Dawn of the Dead, and. I said in last year's episode that my favorite Romero zombie film is Night of the Living Dead, but in some ways I kind of like the sequel better. The idea of the original being that you can show a bunch of people hold up for one night in a house, but this time they show a group surviving for an extended period of time in a shopping mall. You know, I thought that was a great idea. And this was a shopping mall of the 70s. Before we had all these huge, expansive mega malls that we've got now, you know, th- these malls were big, but um, obviously this one was created for the movie plot because there aren't a lot of malls that have gun stores and ice rinks and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. but I-, I like the idea that a bunch of people die and become zombies, but they still get up and go to the mall and walk around because it's just so bred into who they are. There's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in the movie that I don't like. Um, I don't really think well, there's a line there's a line in the movie where uh, one of the characters kind of says because they kind of see they're standing on the roof of the mall and they see all these zombies sort of walking towards it yeah and the guy that I believe it's the one that plays Steven says you know the the woman says why do they come here and he says something about like you know past memories and it, this place was a part of who they were and it was important yeah to them it was they're coming back yeah yeah and there was a lot, especially in the 70s and 80s, you know, I I don't go to the mall very often, but in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of people that went to the mall every day. That's just what they did. Um, I don't really think the color of this movie is all that great. I think that the blood is a little bit too bright and the, the zombies are kind of the wrong color. They're almost, they're green. Sometimes they look kind of blue. You know, but yes, uh, Romero worked really well with the black and white of the first movie, but I kind of I kind of forgive it. But um, and also this movie has some socially unacceptable things like the fact that the girl gets pregnant and the two male characters have a conversation about her having an abortion and she's not involved in that conversation, (laughs) you know, Um, but stuff like that. But it's but it's a good movie overall. I think that. Dawn of the Dead is a great horror classic. If you're into zombies, you definitely need to check it out. It it, it actually begins on the same night that the original movie took place. It's just it's different characters. It's a different it's a different part of the country too, I believe. Um, 
Uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's kind of both Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, kind of that. Because the first one starts at the... Well, excuse me, not the first one. Uh, Dawn of the Dead kind of starts at that uh, TV, the station, TV station. And yeah. I'm pretty sure... Sh- yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Pittsburgh, and then they go to Monroeville, which is outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah, people still and, people still go to that mall to take pictures and stuff like that. Of course, the mall looks a lot different now than it did then, but uh, it does. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because this podcaster has actually been to the Monroeville Mall oh, really? and taken pictures. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. So I was up in Pittsburgh for a friend's wedding, and I see the exit that says, you know, Monroeville Mall, and I'm like, and this was in the days without GPS, so I pull off, I follow the signs to the mall, the wedding was the next day, so it wasn't like I was skipping out on that or anything, (laughs) Um, but I walked around the mall, drove around, took some pictures, and I actually went back at a later date for something else where I had the wife with me and where the ice skating rink was in the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, that's now a food court. And I mean, like such a tool, I was walking around this mall with my Dawn of the Dead t-shirt on (laughs) and they have this mural and um, the one zombie where he's wearing like a red plaid shirt. He's the one that's on the cover yeah. The bald guy. Yeah. So they have like a mural and then they have like, it's not all zombies and all. It's like stuff about Pittsburgh and, you know, other stuff like that. And there's like this one little zombie in the corner. Uh, so that was kind of nice. Uh, last I heard, there's some sort of store or something that's going to be horror related or maybe they'll do some sort of a tour or something like that. Um, but, you know, they also don't want people like going around the mall taking a bunch of photos and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, the clock tower that was in the mall, I actually should find those photos and send them to you. Okay. Um, but that clock, that's still there. The last time I was there, I'm sure they've updated some other things, but it, it was just, it was so eerie because in one of the scenes of uh, Dawn of the Dead, there's like this little tiny like three and a half four foot like little footbridge over a little bit of water in the mall like you know kids can walk across there and do kind of stuff like that and i saw that like that is still there (laughs) and there's just some things like obviously the whole pattern of the mall they didn't structurally change all that but it's like I walked around this mall and I was just, it was so eerie and I did go into a JC Penny and I almost slid down the middle of the escalators like they did in the movie. But, uh, I did not. I'm surprised they but haven't I, I definitely... changed it to where you can't, I'm surprised they haven't changed the layout to where you can't even get up onto it and do that. Cause I'm sure well, they have I people do that they... all the time. <laughs> yeah. They, I'm pretty sure they, uh, installed these, like metal shapes in between them so you couldn't do it kind of like you know you'll see them do sort of that thing like on railings or whatnot where like so kids can't skateboard on them i'm pretty sure they did something like that otherwise i would have done it um but it was just so crazy just walking around thinking like oh what went on here and 
you know, the scenes that they shot, because for me, that was a huge movie. That was actually one of the ones that kind of got me into the zombie genre and George Romero and um, started out with the theatrical version. But actually now, if you haven't checked it out, I actually prefer the international cut. It actually has a little less of the humor taken out of it. Like there's a scene in Dawn of the Dead where these marauding bikers led by Tom Savini Mm -hmm. uh, go through the wall and they're like taking like custard pies or like whipped cream pies and smashing them in the faces of the zombies. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they cut that out of the international version. But the other thing too, they actually changed some of the soundtrack. I believe that was different for that version just to kind of change the tone of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the, uh, that song, the gonk, you know, I'm like tone deaf. So, but you know what I'm talking (laughs) about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, So I was just kind of like walking around the mall with that in my head the whole time too. (laughs) The way that Romero designed his world is that each of his zombie movies, they take place in the same world, and, but the, the apocalypse has kind of advanced a little bit each movie. You know, you've got Dawn of the Dead, you've got Day of the Dead, you got Land of the Dead, and they, each one is advanced a little bit more until they got to Diary of the Dead, which is the most recent one, and they move the action back to the original night, but they set it in present day. So that it's kind of a reboot that, yeah, that movie. Well, there was also, sur- sorry, no, go ahead. Go ahead. There was also a survival of the dead. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that one came out after diary. Oh, did it? Uh, but the thing about diary is it is like a video diary. So it's all shot through, uh, either somebody's camcorder or, news crew camera or like a security cctv camera like all the perspective is from a camera Um, yeah he was trying to do the whole the whole found footage kind of thing that they that has been the craze for the last 20 some odd years he's he's trying to uh to do something along those lines they he's got a whole series of movies now uh uh night of the living dead and Dawn of the Dead are the only two out of the series that I would actually recommend as being good zombie movies. The rest of them have things that I like about them, but it's not one that if you're uh, just wanting to know some some good zombie movies to watch, I'm not going to tell you to go watch Land of the Dead with John Leguizamo and Anthony yeah. Anthony Hopkins. You know, <laughs> saw that in the theater. Oh no, not Anthony Hopkins. Uh, you're thinking of Dennis Dennis Hopper. Hopper I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but so we could have a whole podcast about George Romero and all of his zombie movies. And, you know, maybe we should do a follow up at some point where you can catch me on one night and we can just kind of continue this talk a little more. But for Dawn of the Dead, the reason why the color is off a little bit is because he kind of wanted it to look like a comic book. That's why the blood looks a little bit orange. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the actors, why they look a little bluish and at times. Um, you can definitely tell there was one scene where they slipped up and there was a it was he was a bigger guy and he was just wearing a pair of shorts and we're talking like you know 70s dolphin shorts and the only part of him that has makeup is like from the neck up (laughs) so 
it was like they dressed him in makeup and then he took his shirt off. <laughs> so, and you know, Ramiro, his whole direction for the zombies is just move slow. He says, you know, if I tell them to to walk like this or to do this with their hands or do this, then everybody's going to do it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Just move slow. And uh, towards the end of the movie of Dawn of the Dead, there is a scene where, you know, spoiler alert, uh, some people are running away from zombies. (laughs) And one of them is a nurse. I'm talking about, like, the almost very end of the movie where someone's going up a ladder. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice that there is a nurse zombie and she is doing the most terrible, terrible job of being a zombie. She's doing like the hackney, like arm straight out in front, like rocking side to side yeah. walk, you know, the like Frankenstein sort of walk or something. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, Oh, Ramiro, after he would have like, you know, screen this and saw it. How could have you let that go? <laughs> but yeah, this is this is one of the ones I've probably seen, you know, 30 times. Oh, yeah, no yeah. joke. And no exaggeration. Um, while we're on the topic of Ramiro and Zombies, did you catch the remake of this? And how do you feel about that if you did? I, I have seen it. And to me, it's a, it's a completely different movie. Um... Well, we got fast zombies. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just, yeah, all of a sudden they're they're fast zombies. I don't really have a problem with with fast zombies. Um, it's just that they, it's almost like the rule is supposed to be that they're supposed to be slow. But I mean, they don't have to be. You can you can do whatever you want with your movie or whatever. But if you're remaking, if you're calling this a remake of the of an original film from the 70s then it should the rules should kind of still apply but I didn't like I said I didn't think it was a bad movie it's just it's so different that it, it I don't know if it should really have the same title uh, it, yeah. it ends completely different Um, I don't know I mean well I mean, if it ended the same we would kind of be bored yeah so I, I appreciated what they did I, you know, the reason why they called it Dawn of the Dead is because it was a zombie movie where the mall was a central location and point of the film. So if they didn't call it anything else, everybody that watched that movie would just say, oh, well, they just ripped off George Lu- or Bermuda's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. It's so, kind of like the uh, new was actually... It's kind of like the new version of Pete's Dragon that's out. Uh, they came out <laughs> over the summer. The only thing that it has in common with the original is that there's a kid named Pete and there's a dragon. You know, it's it's not the it's not even the same story. You know, so. well they covered all the bases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there was a video game that came out eh, like 2002, 2001-ish or so, um, like Dead Mall, Shopping Mall, something where. Basically, like, it was a zombie apocalypse, and your character was at a mall, and they had to have a little, like, print sticker on the front that said, this project is not associated with George Romero or his work <laughs> known as Dawn of the Dead, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
But a little little quiz, um, trivia for you. So the makeup artist, uh, whose name escapes me, that worked on, who was like the head makeup guy for the remake of Dawn of the Dead, was married to, they're now divorced, uh, Heather Loggenkamp, who played Nancy from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Dude, she's she's very nice. I got to meet her at a convention. She's uh, very very sweet. I go back. I've I've gone back and watched that a few times because I think that came out in like two thousand four or something like that. And uh, uh, two thousand. Yep, two thousand four. Yeah, and Ty Ty Burrell, Zack Snyder. Oh, did he direct it? Did he direct that? Yeah, Zack Snyder directed okay. two thousand four Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Ty Burrell is in that as kind of a skeezy. Uh, skeezy kind of guy, you know, and now he's uh, Phil Dunphy on Modern Family, which is a yeah, completely, yeah. completely different character, and it's kind of weird going back and seeing him, <laughs> seeing him in that movie. But well, go ahead with your next pick. All right, so oh, and also I should mention, so Night of the Living Dead, uh, Tom Savini did a remake of Night of the Living Dead, like around 1992, 1993. Yeah, the um, color version. Did it in color. I actually really like that version. They've actually made two remakes gonna... of that, because they did not, Night of the Living Dead 3D came out sometime in Right, the... Yeah, with the, that Sid Hang, yeah. or whatever his name is, guy. Well, the reason why Night of the Living Dead, you see it on like Elvira's movie in the Cobb and Riff Tracks, and you see all these remakes of it is because of the whole kerfuffle with the copyright yeah. and how they basically didn't put that on the print and anybody could just sell the movie and like, it fell in the public domain a lot quicker movie. than it should have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why a lot of, um, that's why that one gets around a lot. There's actually, but it's also good. There's actually a, um, a film called night of the living dead reanimated. Um, and a lot of, animators uh, a lot of animation guys they took the original audio from the film and they just put each segment was just animated by a different person so it's all these different types of animation some of them are stick figures you know some of them are more traditional animation and stuff like that but it's uh but they they, they just retold the entire story with the original audio but all in animation so I think oh, very, you can probably find that online nice. somewhere too. It's called Night of the Living Dead Reanimated. Yeah, I will have to check that out. But the reason why I like the new one, not more so than the original, because I love the original, but one thing that I really liked is the the female lead Barbara was completely different in the remake. Yeah. You know, instead of being like a catatonic, scared little mouse, you know, like you know, in the sixties, like scared female couldn't do anything. Um, the one in the, the nineties was like strong. She, it was like Ripley. If Ripley wasn't fighting aliens and she was fighting zombies, yeah. basically. Yeah. So I have a found footage movie. Um, uh, Norwegian, I believe, uh, from 2010 troll hunter. Yeah, I've so, heard of that. I've never seen it, but yep. yeah, I've heard of it. Currently streaming on Netflix. It is subtitled, so sorry kids, you will have to read a movie. <laughs> but, so basically, like you've seen What We Do in the Shadows, mm -hmm. that vampire mockumentary where it's like a film crew following vampires around. Yeah. 
So basically, this is a film crew. And like, you know, they're characters in the film. It's not like you don't ever see them. Like, it's just kind of, you know, cameraman. But it's college students that are kind of going after trolls. And they meet up a guy. They meet a guy who's like a actual troll hunter. Like that's his job in Norway. And there's a whole lot of myth and lore and just the kind of way they kind of tie this into modern day. And you know, like there's a little thing in there how they say uh, power lines are actually fences to keep trolls back because they can't cross them. <laughs> so like you know, all the power lines that are around the entire country, that's all like an elaborate structure to kind of contain these trolls. Yeah. Uh, and just the take of kind of doing all of this as a found footage was very, very interesting. And these trolls, they're not like little tiny, like dwarf trolls or, um, well, I could say dwarf trolls. It's not offensive <laughs> to anyone, right? I don't think so. Little person, slash midget slash dwarf please choose the least offensive one and carry on with our lives um these are like 30 foot tall trolls like they're huge uh there are some that are smaller but they're like 15 feet high so they uh they were obviously they were doing a lot of digital and uh special effects like that and I think when they were kind of doing it as a found footage movie, they can kind of get away and fudge it a little bit and kind of hide some of those effects, uh, which would be harder to do if it was just kind of a narrative film and you just see, uh, you know, the camera is just in the scene, whereas it's not one person's perspective. You know, you would expect to kind of see the entire thing. Kind of like, you know, how in Cloverfield where they kind of hid the monster for a little bit until they actually kind of like showed everything and all yeah. that. Yeah, so just the way this was done and the whole myth and lore of it. And plus, there ain't a whole lot of good movies about trolls if you uh, <laughs> remember Troll 2. Oh, God, yeah. Which wasn't even really yeah. trolls. They were actually goblins. That was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if any of you are watching South Park uh, in the current season, there's a whole thing about de um, Denmark and trolls, and uh, but they're talking about internet trolls. <laughs> yeah. It's just, well, it's kind of like they're saying that, you know, forgive the uh, impersonation of the Danish accent, but it's like, you know, these are trolls. They uh, they hide in caves. They conceal their identity, and then you know there were trolls later that could walk amongst society and. You know, then it kind of shows like some the computer nerd at the computer, and you know, it was just hilarious the way they kind of tied it all together. Yeah. All right. Well, my next pick is um, all right, so this is going to be my paranormal pick or my my ghost movie pick, but it's the name of the movie is It Follows from 2014, and this movie was so much better than what I expected it to be when I when I originally watched it because I had not really heard anything about it at the time. Uh, I don't know if it was Netflix or if it was uh, Hulu, but it popped up on something like that. And I don't get scared easily watching horror movies, but I think that the premise of this movie is kind of terrifying. <laughs> uh, just to give you a, a brief kind of rundown of what this movie is about, 
it doesn't have anybody in it that I recognize from anything. So I didn't write down any of their names because I didn't, I didn't know who any of them were, but, um, the main girl has sex with her boyfriend and then he knocks her out with chloroform and she wakes up strapped to a wheelchair and he's telling her that there's some entity that's coming after him. And they show this woman walking towards them. And the rules are that this thing is connected to you. It comes for you. You can run. You can go as far as you want. But eventually, it will get to you. And when it catches you, it will kill you. The only way that you can make it stop is to have sex with somebody. And then it, it will go after them. But if something happens to that person and they die, then it comes after you again. So hmm. there's no way to break the curse. It's eventually going to get you. Uh, but it, it's just creepy because she could literally go across the world and get somewhere safe, but she knows that eventually it's going to find her because it's just walking. And it, it doesn't run after her. It doesn't chase her. It's just walking. And uh, there's going to be a sequel. I imagine there's room for a whole series with those rules and they kind of play fast and loose with those rules towards the end. But, uh, but I really enjoyed that movie and, uh, and I, I recommend it. Have you ever heard of yeah, it? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of it. I would love to see it. Uh, I have to look where it's streaming, but it is definitely one of those ones where it's like, I, I want to see this, but I know the wife is not going to want to see it. Yeah. Uh, a lot like my next pick, but, I heard it follows is very good, and when you were talking about you know it's good, uh, it made me think of that game where it's like a two or three sentence movie review. Um, so I was thinking it's better, <laughs> but it's it, it's just like um, so this thing. Like I said, it's not chasing, it's, it's not creepy. running, it's, it's just it's, it's just walking. And there's a scene where he's um, and if you're not if you're not cursed by this thing, you can't see it. So all the people that's mm -hmm. with her, they can't see it, even though it's standing right in front of them sometimes, you know. So she's on a date with this guy, and he keeps looking over his shoulder. And eventually, So is it like, what does it look like? It looks like a woman. It can change its shape, but it's, but usually it looks like, like an old lady. Um, uh -huh. it, but it can change its shape, and it does. You know, it makes itself look like different people. It can make it look like people that you know, you know, things like that. Uh, so this guy, they're sitting in a movie theater, and he keeps looking over his shoulder, and eventually he looks over his shoulder and says, hey, you want to get out of here? And then they get up and leave. And it's because the thing came in the back door, you know? And so they leave, and uh, and then there's a scene where they're just, uh, they think they're safe, and they're sitting by a lake or something, and they're sitting there talking and having a conversation and laughing, and all of a sudden this thing just walks around the corner, <laughs> you know? And, and, and all the actions and hijinks ensue, you know? But... Uh, but it's it's just it's really good. It's it's really kind of creepy, but uh, and the ending leaves a little bit to be desired. Like I said, they kind of they kind of cheat on the rules a little bit towards the end. I won't I won't uh, divulge any of that. But it's still it's still worth the watch. It's not a real long movie. It's only about an hour and a half long, I think. So, what well, sounds like the suspense is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I really yeah. like it. And, you know, that's that's why I like Jaws and Alien so much. Or, you know, we don't see the shark and the alien, you know, in minute three. We see it in, like, minute 45. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, it's very slow and deliberate and kind of playing that long game, which is, you know, I like my kind of 
quick, fast pace, like, you know, in some of those Jason movies, like, it's, like, he's the star of the movie, mm-hmm. and Friday the 13th, where, you know, they're, they're not hiding him at all, but there's something nice about the horror movie where you hardly see, or they really, really limit, you know, the screen time of the, the killer or the entity or the alien monster or whatever, what have you. Right. So, speaking of which, that actually kind of ties in nicely with my next one. So, you could call it an entity. I don't know if you would say paranormal. Um, Basically, this is a boogeyman story, uh, and it is the Babadook. So, the story is about this woman and her son. And, you know, I'm not giving anything away, but... Basically, the boy's father died on the night that she gave birth to their son. So, single mother raising her son, and he's a troubled little boy. And all of a sudden, there's this book that just shows up. And it's just kind of so random, like, you know, there's just a book. And it's a pop-up book, and it is a very, very creepy, like, it's all black and white, but... It looks like concept art for a Tim Burton film. <laughs> like if somebody said, like for Nightmare Before Christmas or whatever, you and it was like, okay, make it ten times creepier. <laughs> it looks like it's from that. So, and then you know she gets freaked out by this book and gets rid of it, and then it comes back. And no matter what the lady kind of does, this they just can't get rid of this book. And there is this boogeyman presence. The book is about the Babadook. And the Babadook is just this thing that is kind of just terrorizing this woman and her son. And they build the suspense. And they are just kind of so calculating, manipulating, and just... Like, this is one of those ones, like, shut your phone off or put it in another room... Like, do not be distracted. You may kind of take yourself out of it a bit. I hate the people where it's like, I'm going to watch a movie. And then all of a sudden they're like looking at it, their phone, <laughs> yeah. and just kind of playing around on stuff. It's especially for a movie like this where, you know, the director is trying to draw you in and really like manipulate you and play with your emotions. Uh, but it is such a good movie. I need to watch this one again. Uh, it is so creepy, like. The reason why this is so creepy and well done is, you know, I'm a grown man, but I was walking around my house just imagining the Babadook, like, just popping out of the cabinets yeah. and, like, <laughs> coming around. The, like, like not, to, not, not because I was scared, just because I was just kind of so taken by this film. Like, you know, it, it definitely stuck with me. And the director of it, she has said... You know, there will never be a sequel. She will never do it. Like she has said, Jennifer Kent, and she just did a phenomenal job with this project. Uh, but she said she will never do anything else. Like this, it is a single movie. They're not going to turn it into a franchise and like turn it into, you know, scary movie. Yeah. To kind of like, you know, I don't know, what do we have, like seven or eight of those now? Uh, yeah, I forget. I, I think it's five, but movie, yeah. yeah, 
but the Babadook from 2014, uh, I believe it is an Australian film, so they do have some accents, um, but it is a very, very good film. And I'm only mentioning that it's an Australian film because when I first saw it, I thought it was an English film, and I was kind of like, huh, this is off just a little bit. I wonder where they're from. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> wait, hang on. <laughs> All right, but just the kind of the color, the color of the sets and everything—they just did such a good job with this, and it is so creepy, and it is—it is the perfect film of just giving you a little bit, but not too much, and just completely hooking the audience in. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I, that's one of those films that when you look up a list of greatest horror movies of all time, it keeps popping up. So it's one that I've been meaning William- to watch. But uh, William Freakin, the director of The Exorcist, um, what was that, 76? Yeah, 76, 77, something like that, yeah. Yeah, he said this is the most terrifying movie he's ever seen. Oh, really? <laughs> or, or frightening, to quote him exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen The Exorcist, and that's a... And I, I mean, I watched the theatrical cut. I would like to watch, you know, the director's cut and all. But I mean, that's still a pretty scary movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my next one is a vampire movie, and this is from 1996, from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, this movie, it's two movies in one. Yeah, yeah. This one, it came out a year or so after I graduated from high school, so I was starting to get into vampires. I was reading the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicle series, and at the same time, I was really into Tarantino movies. I know this isn't a Tarantino movie. This is a Robert Rodriguez film, but Tarantino wrote the the script. It was his story. Um, I'm still a Tarantino fan for the most part. I think he's a good filmmaker. I just think he's a little bit insane. <laughs> and I think he makes his movies too long. But <laughs> but um, this this one was different. Like I said, he, he wrote it. He didn't direct it. Uh, it's about these two brothers, played by Tarantino and George Clooney. They're on the run. They committed a robbery. And they end up kidnapping a family that includes Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis. And one thing that... I really liked a lot of critics kind of hated the fact that it was like you said, almost two different movies glued together. The first half is a crime movie about the two brothers and the kidnapping. And then in the second half, they get to the biker bar that's known as the titty twister and, um, out in the middle of the desert. And they find out that it's infested with vampires. And of course they have to fight their way out. The whole second half of the movie is a supernatural horror action movie. And, I, I like it. Um, stars, ha- have you seen the TV series? I have not. Okay, I watched the first season. I think they have two seasons now. I have not watched the second season. The first season just basically retold the story of the movie, but they fleshed it out for ten episodes, and they added a bad guy that wasn't there in the uh, in the original that kind of tied everything together, and he was played by the guy whose name I can never pronounce that played Fez on that 70s show. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Wilbur Valderrama. There you go. Yeah. Wilbur, Wilbur Valderrama. Valderrama? Valderrama? Something like that. So, Say that five times fast. <laughs> so he's the villain in the show, and they give the they turn the vampires into like these snake creatures. They're, they have snake fangs, and they have venom and that kind of stuff. So 
it was in, it's an interesting show, but it wasn't interesting enough for me to go back and watch the second seasons. <laughs> so, uh, and they made two more movies. Yeah. They made two more movies after the first one, but they were straight to video and had all different people in it. And I I think it's funny because the second one uh, had Robert Patrick in it. And now he's on the TV show, or he was in the TV show in the first season playing the character that Harvey Keitel played in the first movie. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah, From Dust Till Dawn, a lot of people hate Tarantino. I don't hate Tarantino. I've got a... I watch everything he comes out with, and everything he comes out with I find interesting. I think that his movies are too long, like I said before. Uh, But I don't know. But like, like the Babadook... And like some other films, you know, the suspense building and not giving everything up right away is why those directors have their style. Mm-hmm. Like in Glorious Bastards, my favorite scene, I mean, I like that movie. Well, I love that movie. But one of my favorite parts is in the beginning where Christoph Waltz is coming in and he's they're just having a conversation in the house. That's like because the tension and it is so tense. And then later on in the movie when they're in the bar and they're having that conversation, you know, the conversation goes on much longer than any other conversation you'd see in another film. But it is just so well written and well paced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I really the, the, I think the first Tarantino movie that I ever saw was, of course, Pulp Fiction. After that, I went back and watched Reservoir Dogs. And like I said, I've seen everything that he came out with. And a lot of people that loved Tarantino back in the 90s don't really care for him anymore. But like I went, I saw The Hateful Eight. I thought The Hateful Eight was a fantastic movie. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. Tarantino's style is not for everybody. Because what I like about him is that he doesn't really want to do the same thing twice. You know, he made his gangster movies back in the nineties. Now he's making his cowboy movies. He made his, his kind of, uh, martial arts movies with, uh, kill bill, you know, the, those two volumes and stuff and all these different kinds of movies that he, that he grew up loving. Now he's getting to make them. And, and, and sometimes he has some of the same, uh, actors in them, but they're not, he's not doing the same thing every time, you know, he, he's, yeah. he's not going to be known as a Western director or a sci-fi director or something like that. He's going to be known for, you know, he could do a lot of different things. So exactly. And he does his own thing and he's been called a DJ director where he kind of samples a little bit from this and samples a little bit from that. And, you know, takes a little bit of this soundtrack and kind of mixes it all together and does this original thing that we've never seen before. Yeah. And in, I mean, in, in know, Kill let's... Bill, he got to do all of it, you know? Oh, yeah. He got to do a I little mean, bit. Just... I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of Spaghetti Western over here. Now I'm going to turn it into a Kung Fu movie. Now I'm going to turn it into a black exploitation movie, you know, and I'm going to do all these different things, and it's all going to be the same movie. And Yeah. I think we've got time to do a couple more, so why don't you go ahead and do another one off your list? I've got a monster movie. Uh, have you ever seen the Monster Squad? Oh yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Kick him in the nards. <laughs> oh no, Wolfman's got nards. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Yeah. No, I think they were saying kick him in the nards. Yeah. I don't know. Does he have nards or whatever? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, this one has vampires, 
well, it's it's Dracula, it's the Wolfman, it's the creature from the Black Lagoon, it's Frankenstein's monster, all kind of coming together and terrorizing a town. And so basically, there's like long time ago, like you know, Van Helsing is trying to kill Dracula. Dracula kind of is sitting in a coffin for a long time, and then all of a sudden he gets released in present day of. 1987 and all hell breaks loose and this group this group of kids like oh middle schoolers elementary school i think no, it was, yeah junior school. high i think i think i think like 12 maybe something okay like i remember the the leader kid had a shirt that said like stephen king rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah which i always found that funny so basically you know, this group of kids, uh, and they call themselves the Monster Squad because they really like monster movies. Um, in their clubhouse, they have movie posters from films. I'm not sure they would be allowed to watch at their age. Uh, but they really like monsters, horror, Stephen King, and so they call themselves the Monster Squad. So now they have to kind of do it for real and fight all the monsters. Oh, and there's also the mummy, too. Yeah, they're all like the classic universal monsters, right? Oh, huh? Yeah. And I believe it was the first time where they were all, all the characters came together. Uh, they did do like a Frankenstein versus Dracula movie, and the Wolfman did have an appearance in that, they, if I'm not mistaken. They did, um, way back before my time, they did a film with Abbott and Costello, where Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And I believe, right. I believe Dracula and the Wolfman were both in that film as well. And Dracula was played by Bella Lugosi, and the Mummy may I, he was. I think, I think the Mummy was in it as well. But we didn't have the creature from the Black Lagoon right. because that came out in like '54 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of those Universal horror movies, the classics, um, I really like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I'm kind of going back. I got the the box set that they released on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's region free, so like you kind of go on and say like I'd like the English subtitles or English version, and then you know watch whatever you want. So they just make one disc, uh, but it's a pretty sweet box set. But yes, the Monster Squad, Wolfman has Nards. <laughs> It's a lot of jokes in it. I mean, it's just another one of those great 80s movies that uh, holds a special place in my heart. That movie... Kind of like if John Hughes would have done a horror movie, yeah. almost. That movie led me to um, uh, say to my parents that I was going to make a Monster Squad. And it was just basically me and my brother and my two cousins in the woods behind our house looking for monsters <laughs> kind of yeah. like a it was kind of like a precursor to what we've got on stranger things now you know is kind of that that yeah i mean it these kids would be friends let's just say that if they were all going to the same school like they're kind of uh they, they would be friends they're kind of cut from the same cloth there was a i mean it, you know it takes place in the same sort of time frame too there was a rumor a year, a couple years back, that Universal wanted to do with the Universal monsters what Marvel is doing with the Avengers, where they're making all these individual movies, and then they were going to tie them together into these uh, 
into into a bigger movie. I don't I don't think it actually is going to happen. I think it's kind of fell to the wayside. But that's when they made that movie, um, um, I Frankenstein, a few years ago. That was supposed to kind of be the beginning of that, and they were going to make a Dracula. Ooh. They're going to make a with that. They did make a Dracula. They did that Dracula Untold or whatever. Um, yeah. And then they were going to make some more because all these characters are in public domain, you know, so they can, so they can make the, and they wanted to bring them back and make like their version that would be like a copyrighted version of the characters. And then they could, and then they could make like a big movie that would have all of them together later. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think it kind of, I think I Frankenstein kind of flopped. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. uh, my next I, pick, I, go ahead. It's it's just you know something like that for today's generation. It seems like it may not work out as well. It would be. I mean, great I would for, really like to see it. Yeah, it'd be great. I would love it. Classic horror film uh, f- film fans would probably love it, but there's not nearly as many classic horror film fans as there are Marvel Avengers fans. <laughs> They're gonna go out and and shell out this money to watch your movie, you know. So, right. But my next pick is gonna be. I guess this will be my last main pick, and then I'll have a couple of honorable mentions. But uh, psychological thriller uh, subcategory is Seven from 1995. Mm. And this movie... I, I don't think of that as a Halloween movie. Well... But good for you. Yeah, I always I always try to put, uh, when I'm making a list like this, I always try to put at least one psychological thriller on my list. I think last year my pick was Manhunter. Which is uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, the precursor, precursor to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So Seven, th- this movie is so hit or miss with so many people because you don't find a lot of people that are just kind of like, eh, that was okay. You know, they either really liked it or they hated it. You know, I really liked it. It came out in '95. That was the year I graduated high school, and up until then, if I went to the movies with my friends, we were usually checking out the latest. Uh, action movie or sci-fi movie or something like that and hold on i just lost my place and actually i went to see this with my brother and one of his friends because they had to have me to be able to get in because it was rated r (laughs) you know but uh morgan freeman had piqued my interest the year before with the shawshank redemption which i had seen on hbo or something like that and brad pitt was a, kind of an up and coming at the time. He wasn't as big as he is now, you know. But 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 everybody, he was at the point where everybody knew who he was, you know. He was just kind of still at the beginning of his, uh, the main part of his career. And I'd seen him in a couple of things. So this movie is about two cops that are investigating a serial killer that's basing his murders on the seven deadly sins, and it's very dark. It's very disturbing. It's directed by David Fincher, who also did, uh, he did Fight Club, but he also did, like, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. So he knows how to make a dark movie. And uh, Kevin Spacey comes in at the end and pretty much steals the show as this creepy serial killer in the last few minutes of the movie. And it's not a horror movie, uh, and I wouldn't really describe it as a fun ride, <laughs> but it's a very good and engaging story. And I go back every every couple of years, every five years or so, and watch it when it's on cable. 
And I, I think it still holds up. I mean, yeah, you've got cops that aren't really using cell phones, and Morgan Freeman actually goes to the library and looks up stuff in books instead of just looking it up on his smartphone or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, Seven is a really good psychological thriller. Yeah, I it is a great movie. You know, anybody that is that really kind of loves film and cinema and kind of consider themselves a fan of just the art. Uh, if you have not seen Seven, please do go see it. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, well, I've got uh, one that's kind of a zombie movie. It's a little bit of a stretch. I wouldn't really call it that. Uh, another one that's a zombie movie, a zombie comedy, and then a zombie horror. And one... Um, so, I don't know if this is going on in your area, but... Um, these creepy clowns, <laughs> yeah, people that are like dressing up as clowns and just kind of like hanging outside of malls and schools and stuff and causing problems. Yeah, we haven't had any actually around here, but of course everybody's seen it on the news and stuff lately. They they actually, right. McDonald's has canceled all of uh, Ronald McDonald's appearances in the near future because of this. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure it's happened in a few, a few times, uh, like a few different sparse places, but... I'm sure the news is kind of just taking a story and running with it. Um, if you remember Summer of the Sharks, uh, if you remember that, where all of a sudden, all like every story in the summer, uh, one summer when I was a young kid was just about shark attacks, yeah. and they just called it Summer of the Sharks. <laughs> I remember that because on The Daily Show, they parodied it and called it Summer of the Stairs and said about all these stories about people falling downstairs, <laughs> saying they killed more people than sharks. Yeah. But do you remember from 1988, Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen it all the way through, but I have seen bits and pieces of it, yeah. Okay, this is one that I saw. I saw the TV cut a lot, and then I'm glad I finally saw the, uh, like it was on Netflix or streaming on some sort of service, and then I watched all of it. But basically, there are creepy aliens that look like clowns uh, come down from outer space to terrorize a small town. And these are, like, wrinkly, like, the skin. Like, they look like, I don't want to say old people and be ageist, but I don't really think there's a lot of senior citizens listening to our podcast. (laughs) But they the skin is all wrinkly and you can see age spots on them and they have heavy eyelids and then they have this clown makeup on over top of them mm-hmm. but also like the cheeks and the nose and the ears are exaggerated like a clown and you know it's just it's extremely creepy and you know they're just doing all these crazy clown antics and you know, this is one of those movies where it's all about the effects and just all the kind of funny ways they'll kill people and have it kind of be about clowns. And the soundtrack, too, is uh, hilarious. But, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, I've got that one. But I have one that I really, really would like to talk about, and then the others will just be honorable mentions. Okay. My other pick is The Return from 2013. So it's a zombie movie, and this is not your quote-unquote Call of Duty, like, you know, 
chainsaw and shotgun zombies for an hour and a half. This is more of your thinking man zombie apocalypse. So basically in this world, the zombie apocalypse has already happened. Like it's, it's over and it's now about society living after it and kind of having society again and functioning again, just as normal. Um, but the thing is the zombie virus lives in some people and so for example like if you get bit there's a you know 12 hour window or it may even be shorter than that in the film but whatever so there is a window where they can save you and they can give you a drug and it will suppress the zombie virus in your body so you could have people walking around in society where they could be zombies, but they're on this drug and it's a drug that they have to take every single day. So, you know, imagine a medicine or medication that somebody has to take every single day. Yeah. And the whole movie is about, you know, there is a shortage of this drug that's coming and they're running out of the supply and they can't, they're having a very hard time making more of it and keeping up with the demand. So the whole movie is about a husband and wife and the husband has the virus and the wife is a doctor and she's trying to get the drugs for him to keep her husband from becoming a zombie. And the reason why they're called the returned is because basically they're saying like, you know, these people died and they've returned back or they've kind of returned from being a zombie. Yeah. But the whole deal is like, you know, if they forget to take their drug or if they miss it and they become a zombie, there is no going back. They can't reverse it at that point. Yeah, okay. So it just, the cinematography was very, very good. I remember just some of the shots and the way things were composed and how it was done was really good. Uh, This was one of those ones where I kind of watched it not really expecting a whole lot. Uh, But it kind of blew me away. And just the whole concept about, you know, how far would you go for your husband or for your wife? And what would you do for them? And how would you feel knowing that you were up against this ticking clock of, you know, either. And, you know, there's some other things in drama that happens. And, you know, there's all these people trying to get the last supply of drug. And there's a whole black market that crops up. And uh, basically, how far would you go for that person that you love? And what would you do to keep them around and keep them from becoming a zombie? So, it, excellent movie. Okay. And uh, I tried to find it, but it is unfortunately not streaming. But you can get the DVD on Netflix, which I'd highly recommend. Okay. Uh, so, from 2013. And it looks like a Spanish, like it's a Spanish movie from Spain. Uh, but it is all in English. So the return. Okay, yeah, that sounds like something I would want to watch. I like when they take a classic uh, idea like zombies and they kind of turn it on its head and do something different with it. So, yeah, and I absolutely love that they did that because I was asking myself the whole movie, like, you know, what if that was me? What if that was somebody I knew? Like, it it really sticks with you and really makes you think. It is definitely not, you know, in one ear and out the other, and you just kind of easily forget about it like some other like killer clowns from outer space like that's a great movie and all but 
once I kind of watch it, I'm kind of, you know, get up and walk out of the theater and you're kind of done with it, you know? Yeah. This is one where it is definitely sticks with you. The only honorable mentions that I have, I have three. Um, I just, I'll just mention two of them. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead with um, Simon Pegg. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I saw that in the theater. Yeah, Love yeah, it. that's a great one. And then uh, Monster House is a is an animated film. Came out a few years ago. Uh, I'd say, you know, that's a good one if you want to watch with your kids or whatever. I wouldn't watch it with really small kids because there is some, some frightening imagery in that film. Uh, but it, that's one of the films that came out back when they were first started doing this thing where they were taking real people and putting the little green dots all over their face and doing the motion capture stuff. So some of the animation is a little bit weird, but it's uh, but it's it's still pretty good. And then the last one is uh, Frankenstein from 1931, uh, starring Boris Karloff. Um, and if you can watch the pre-code version, it's the best. And what I mean by that is the the, the they came out with this code in the 50s, I believe, and made a list of all these things that you can and can't put in your movie is, uh, and, um, all the stuff that came before that had to go back and be re-edited it. Excuse me. Let me say that again. All the stuff that came before that had to go back and be re-edited and Frankenstein kind of got edited weird because especially there's a scene towards the middle of the movie where the monster, comes up to this little girl that's sitting by the water and she's throwing flower, flower yeah. petals into the water. And Friend? yeah. And he picks, he picks up the little girl and throws her in the water. Well, in the pre code version, it was obvious in the scenes that followed that that little girl drowned. And, and that was kind of what caused all of the villagers to want to kill the monster. But after the code, it got changed and it wasn't clear that she died. So the scene was kind of comical. You know what I mean? It's like, he she's throwing flower petals yeah. in the water and he thinks throwing her in the water is the same as throwing the flower petals in the water, throws her in the water and you don't know that she died. It's almost like a little laugh. So it changed the whole dynamic of the film. So if you can find the pre-code version of Frankenstein, it would be better than watching the, the stuff that they edited in the 50s. But... Uh, it's public domain, so most likely whatever version you find is gonna be the the original version. Uh, but that's that's all I've got. You got any more? Uh, I do. I have a French zombie movie from 2009 called The Horde or La Horde. Uh, basically, there is a French SWAT team that they're going after like a drug dealer in this apartment building. It's basically like, you know, one of those giant apartment buildings that may be like 30 stories tall and there's a whole bunch of residents inside. And as they're going in to raid this building, a zombie apocalypse happens. And it's sort of about the cops and criminals, how now they're basically fighting together, even though they hate each other, they're fighting for their survival uh, against the zombies. So very good, very good makeup in it. Um, the other zombie movie that I have, sorry, it's a little heavy, but I saw this one recently and I would be remiss if I didn't have it on the list. 
just because I found it to be so funny. I say, if you are going to watch Shaun of the Dead, you should absolutely pair this with it and have like a nice uh, zombie comedy evening, and that is Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, basically, there is a group of Boy Scouts, and they are camping in the woods, and they're doing some other stuff, and then a zombie apocalypse happens. So, you know... I, I realize that kind of reading the synopsises of all these movies <laughs> is just like, so there was, you know, normal life going on, blah, blah, blah. And then a zombie apocalypse happens. But that's kind of how all these are. Yeah. So there was, yeah. there was one that came out a few years ago called Fido that was about. I saw that. Yeah. Yep. Where uh, people are getting zombies as pets because they, uh, yep. uh, they were able to control them or whatever. And yeah. It was it was kind of weird, but it's 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 funny and kind of a satire. Yeah, it was kind of about like the dog and how the zombie would be docile with the collar on, but when he had this like collar with a red blinking light off, it would like go after people. Yeah, but uh, I remember liking that, liking the whole fifties motif that that was in. Uh, but yeah, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, hilarious, hilarious. Uh, there is some pretty crude humor in it, so I'd say even worse than Shaun of the Dead. So, yeah. you know, if you can get past that, uh, it's definitely a very, very good movie. Uh, I don't know if you would call Reanimator a zombie movie or not. I consider it more of like a Frankenstein film. Yeah. Because it's more about the reanimating of dead people or dead tissue. Uh, and then the last one that I have on my list, I like it for two very big reasons, and that is from 1988, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> okay. And those two big reasons are her personality and the humor. So it's uh, I watched it recently, and it is just uh, such a fun, fun comedy. All right. So... I know you were talking about Elvira yeah. off the air before. I almost, yeah, I almost got to meet her one year because um, uh, we have a big uh, haunted house here in the town that I live in, the Atrox Factory. Um, and every year they have some, I, you can call them celebrities. She's a celebrity, but most of the ones that they have are just um some guys that wore the Jason mask in one of the Jason movies in one of the Friday, the 13th yeah. movies and not necessarily like Kane Hodder or somebody like that. But, but oh, uh, she, I got to go ahead. I got to see Kane Hodder and seeing him in person was really weird. Cause I was taller than him and like <laughs> yeah. bigger than him. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is Jason? That's the magic of movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, the Oh, he also had on platform shoes, too, to make himself look taller. The um, the lady that plays Elvira, Cassandra... Peterson. Peterson, yeah. She looks nothing like that in real life. I, I did, I, like I said, I wasn't there the night that she was there, but somebody had uh, taken a couple of pictures with her, and I saw them later. And, uh, yeah, she just looks like... A lady that you'd see at Walmart, you know, or whatever. She's a very pretty lady. Uh, she's, she's a very pretty she's lady. She's a but, very, very attractive redhead. Yeah, but, and... but she looks nothing like Elvira. You would not you would not know her if you just saw her out in public somewhere. You wouldn't know that that's who she was. 
well, which is probably the way Elvira. she likes it. <laughs> oh yeah i mean you know i'm sure there are so many creepy like people that have proposed to her at conventions and i'm sure i would if i got the opportunity <laughs> to meet her but because you know she said like people come up to her and they'll show her tattoos they have of her and all sorts of things like that but the the character of elvira even though you know it may be a little bit of uncouth in today's society where she's kind of like the ditzy blonde or whatever she just has such a fun personality and like there's people where you know like in that movie the mist yeah or if i was locked inside of a supermarket with some people there's some people i would not want to be in there with if it was her, you know you would be entertained for however long you were locked <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah. And like there's a joke in in um Mistress of the Dark, which is her movie from nineteen eighty eight, where basically like something falls and hits her on the head and this guy says, Oh, Avira, how's your head? And she says, Well, I've never heard any complaints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a lot of this like referential that she is um, a fan of the gentleman, but there's just this sort of ditzy blonde, and just the way she kind of does it, it has this sort of little innocence about it. Where, you know, she has all these jokes about, you know, sexual endoendos and things like that. And uh, there's even one that I believe is on her like movie Macabre, which are on Hulu. Uh, where like she'll watch Night of the Living Dead and she gives her commentary along with it and you know she's reading an obituary of Elvira of herself and it says something like you know she was a great personality or no 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 she was more than just a great rack she was also a really nice pair of legs <laughs> yeah all so, right it's it's such a fun character yeah. well i think that's going to pretty much do it for this episode and uh as I said before, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks to uh, to do an episode where we look at some of the new shows that are on the air this fall. We'll be talking about The Walking Dead. We'll be talking about Luke Cage, Timeless, all that kind of stuff that's brand new. And uh, a good way to make sure that you don't miss the episode is to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict on the Android store. That way you'll be notified whenever we upload a new episode. And please, wherever you get the show, make sure that you leave us a rate and a review so that it'll make it easier for other people to find the show. And, of course, you can always find the show on our website at CosmicPotato.com where you'll find all the other podcasts on the network, including The Prime Direction, which is the show that I do where I talk to fans of Star Trek about their lives and their fandom. Uh, that show has also been taking a break for the last few weeks, but I'm going to be getting the new one up pretty soon hopefully i'm gonna interview uh john irons which is uh my partner on this show about his star trek fandom so we're gonna do that sometime in the next few days and and if you want to contact uh contact the show you can uh contact us right there on the website or you can find us on facebook or twitter email me directly at mail at cosmicpotato.com let me know what your favorite horror movie is let me know what you're going to be doing this Halloween. Let me know whatever you want to let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and that'll do it. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining me this episode. Thank you. And uh, thank you guys for listening, because if you weren't, we'd just be a couple of guys screaming into the void. 
So take care.